The football pod with Paddy and Andy. Yes, Dublin aren't in great form, but they're bored out in their mind. Paul Mannion and Jack McCaffrey aren't playing, yes, because of the stress and the strain, but they're a bit bored. Download the OTB Sports app and subscribe to the GAA podcast feed now. The OTB Podcast Network with GetSetGo. Go. Are you ready for quick start car insurance? Get a quote today at GetSetGo.ie. The 2021 British and Irish Lions Tour. On Off The Ball. With Vodafone, lead partner of the British and Irish Lions. I'm delighted to be joined by Brian O'Driscoll. How you keeping, Brian? Nathan, how are you? Uh, you've been commentating on the first two tests for us. Uh, just about recovered from the longest game in the history of rugby. Yeah, well, like when you're doing an hour, an hour's build-up as well to it, and then straight into commentary, and then we're pulling it apart. So the yeah, the voice. It wasn't very chatty at dinner on Saturday night. The voice was <laughs> all but gone. But when you're having sixty-two or sixty-four minute halves, there's something wrong, isn't there? And obviously, that was the. The, the reaction to an awful lot of what was said in the press during the week, the Rassi rant and the over and backing, you know, even though Gat, you know, Gatland is, is pleading kind of complete innocence to it all, um, it's, you know, it, it just made for a pretty lousy spectacle. Actually, it, it, you know, the first 10 minutes wasn't bad. It kind of, I, I watched it back there again. I remember doing commentary thinking, Gosh, maybe we we're going to have some see some rugby mm. today. And South Africa tried to go wide a couple of times. The Lions tried to play with a bit of possession rather than just, you know, kick tennis um, or kick contest. And I thought, okay, grand, you know, we're going to get a change up. And then it just reverted back to type um, on about the fifteen minute mark. And um, then we had the stop start and the lack of momentum, and it was just. It wasn't a. It wasn't an easy watch for a neutral. I'd imagine, at least for, from our perspective, there's still the excitement around. It's still the, the magnitude of the games and the and in the some ways the rugby secondary. Yeah, mm. and you can forego the the rugby if you do get the result. If there was a series win, you know the history books w- wouldn't remember. You know, COVID wouldn't remember. No crowds in the stadium. All they remember is a two nil. Um, lead for for the Lions. Alas, we don't have that, and we got to go into round three. And it's funny how quickly everything has turned. All the hype, all the um, excitement, has turned into a little bit of dread from a lot of a lot of areas. We've had two very distinct narratives then in the week after the two tests. Obviously, the first one was dominated by the referee, the TMO, the officials, and Razi Erasmus. This one has been dominated by the analysis of the state of the game. Almost, I don't remember as big a match been analysed and questions about the future of where rugby is going. If this is what it's all going to be about, and just how turgid it all was. Do you expect a response then on Saturday to that? Do you expect a, a better game? Do you expect a quicker game? Or do you think, actually, with all that's at stake, we're probably just going to have more of the same again? Well, rugby's quite reactionary to what's happened most immediately. And, um, and you know, you see, you see that in different aspects of rule changes, you know, where for a period of time, I remember the, you know, Crook had put in at the scrum, you know, where it was two strikes and there was a yellow card issued. And where is that now? So, you know, will it be reactionary towards um, quickening up the game because of that first half last week? Absolutely. Where the referee will try and use the TMO when he absolutely has to, but will also try and make some decisions for himself with, with the hope of not missing anything major. So, 
it's um, it's a pretty unenviable task that that refereeing group has, to be honest with you. Um, the, you're 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 in for slack one way or another, and they've copped it in a in a major way. I think they missed a good bit last weekend as well. And um, so even when they're trying to be thorough, they're getting things wrong. Um, so I don't feel as though it's going to be any better a spectacle. I do feel as though it's going to be pretty close, though. I was very negative after the second half last weekend. It just felt as though there was a huge momentum shift from South Africa. Another game under their belt, the way and magnitude and the, the game plan, the way they put us to the sword. Um, and it just felt as though it was, it was men against boys for 20, 25 minutes of that second half. Um, however, I just feel as though because Warren Gatland is coach, because he's, he, his teams rarely get pumped, you know, rarely get smashed. Um, I just fancy that the Lions will be right in the mix with 10 or 15 minutes to go. And maybe the South Africans feel as though they've, they've now got us cracked. I, I just feel as though there's a, a huge amount still to be played for. And, and that's stating the obvious because yeah. it's a deciding game. But rugby's a momentum thing. And, and it's very hard to shift a, a momentum, a ball rolling downhill, which it feels like that South African juggernaut was in that second half. But I, I just I don't fancy the Lions, but I fancy it to be go right to the wire. And is that based on your knowledge of Warren Gatland and the way he responds to defeats and what he can do in the space of a week? Is it that the South Africans, as some people see, last week was their cup final and they left it all out there emotionally? Or is it looking at that Lions team and the changes he made and feeling a bit more confident that they can play a bit of rugby? I, I, I don't necessarily think it's that. I think they will have to try and score tries like they've scored one try in two test matches and uh, it was from a driving mall so one thing that I do think they have more scope with this weekend is that Faf de Klerk isn't going to be marshalling the edges so if if anyone that's you know been watching Faf and um, what happens off any set piece is he holds wherever that set piece is and plays on the edge and actually, the Lions tried to target him a couple of times. They tried to go off a line out into midfield once around the corner, and then kick cross field across to Marotoshi to to um, who who was going to obviously be superior in the air to Faf. Um, it was just a poor execution from Bigger, and it kind of was nullified by 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 that execution. Uh, they went another time to Faf with Bigger when they sat him on the blind side. So aerially, they do feel as they did feel that he was a weakness. But he is a very, very astute defender, understanding when to close the gap, when to play soft, when to get in the eye line of the passer, when to dummy and charge and then just come off the gas a little bit and hedge his bets. So I just don't think Kobus Reinach has that same ability. He doesn't have that same fear factor that Faf puts in the opposition. He doesn't certainly doesn't have that nasty edge that, that Faf um, presents. So I do think from that perspective there will be more edges to be got, but they just have to be brave and they have to be willing to throw the pass on the line and risk the occasional intercept. That's the reality of it. If you want to make, if you want to break you know, blitz defences, occasionally you might be picked off because it's such a fine line between you know clear, clear line break and seven points up the other end. But I do feel as though there are risks that the Lions are going to have to take. We've realized we're not going to win in an arm wrestle. We're not going to win in a in kick contest. So I think they have to try and find space on the edges. 
and that's through ball in hand. The kicking game clearly hasn't worked on, on that front. Um, unless they manage to kick off second re- or sorry third receiver, so if they pull a couple of passes, pull the defense up, and then nudge in behind, I think there's scope there. But I do feel as though the passing game is going to be crucial to any success this weekend. And to be able to achieve that, Brian, how much of it is tactics and the way they set up? How much of it is actually in the mentality of the players and feeling comfortable enough to take those risks? I think it's more the secondary, uh, the latter. Um, I think it's an attitudinal piece. Um, th- this is end of the end of the season stuff. Um, you know, the rugby um, you know, rugby will finish up for the summer, and people will go back, go on holidays, and then they'll go back to their clubs. And it's been a long season because of um, the you know the the end of last year's season, the very short break, and then straight back into another season. So, but there's no one feeling sorry for anyone. This is a Lions Test series on in the balance, and I just I just sense that it, you know there's there's definitely one more eighty minute performance or one big eighty minute performance in this Lions team. I think you know they definitely had a slightly inflated view of where they were at with all those poor provincial teams that they played against. Got a little bit of a wake up call against. Uh, South Africa A um, turned it all turned it on in the first test. Got their comeuppance in the second test. So it's all it's all equally balanced to see who can churn out the best performance on tour. And I just I don't know what it is. It just there's some some little inkling that feels as though the Lions will deliver a much improved performance on last week and and will make a proper game of it. The stat that's been thrown out a lot is around Dan Bigger and you know playing around an hour and passing the ball three times in that so far, you know, the Lions haven't even been one dimensional, they've been zero dimensional so far. How do you go from that in the space of seven days to suddenly throwing the ball around a bit against the world champions with confidence? Well, it's not going to be that, right? It's going to be a halfway house. There's still going to be aerial bombardment. There's still going to be a little bit of that. Um, the kick game is still going to be crucial and, and winning the breaking ball and contesting in the air. That's that's a given because that, that's test match rugby no matter what. It just seems like there's a huge amount of that in the test match series that we've watched thus far. I'm not saying that they're going to come away from that completely and go all out Fiji on us, but I, I do feel as though there'll be a happy medium. Uh, and Dan Bigger is very capable of playing a passing game as well. If you think about it for Wales, you know, he doesn't play that, you know, negative in the, in the pocket, constant kick, kick chase game, um, you know, 100% of the time. Wales like to play. They fancy their chances with ball in hand, running rugby, getting to the edges, backing their skill set. So, so why is Warren Gatland asking him to play that game here against a team who are, probably the, who are literally the best in the world at it? I, I don't know is the honest answer to that. I, I don't know. I, I, I feel, you know, obviously they felt that maybe from a personnel point of view that they didn't have the, the necessary individuals to, to, you know, have the cutting edge to get to the edges. Um, but I think now that, that hopefully the pennies dropped that, that, that it's, there is something there for them and that they're going to need tries and where else are they going to score the tries from? South Africa are, watertight in and around the rook. They give nothing. They're very good in the centre. So I do feel as though Vili LaRue um, can be got at, um, questionable on, on his one-on-one defence. Um, and, you know, Mpimpi and, and Colby, okay defenders, but a lot of it is, is bluff is about coming up and, and hustling the space. Whereas if you can get that slight edge, I do feel as though you could um, you could make serious inroads, and and that's the thing about a, a hammer defense or a hard up defense. It's 
it's the front that that comes with it scares you into doing something you don't maybe don't want to do but when you have the bravery to be able to pull the passes and take the chances the the outcome from that can be significant and scramble defense is much harder the south african scramble defense is is very good and very effective and the passes lobbed over the top are no good this has to be clean sharp crisp passes to the point to body right in front um, and quick transfers on because it's going to be hundreds of a second. It'll be the difference between two men around the corner, sometimes three men around the corner, such as the aggressiveness of the South African defense up and in, where they're happy to leave numbers over because they feel they can shut the ball down. But the Lions are going to have to find a way somehow um, through that, that passing game. And with a combination of still looking to carry aggressively, Bundy and Gar- and um, and Robbie will be expected to look for advantage line, but they're just going to have to think a little bit bigger than they did so far to um, to break down this South African defence, which I must say has been incredibly impressive. Uh, you mentioned Bundy Yaki, and he's one of four changes to that back line for the Lions. Uh, Matt Williams was on Wednesday Night Rugby last night talking about that all-Irish centre partnership. Robbie Henshaw is probably one of the only backs who's going to come out of this series for the Lions with his reputation enhanced. He's been absolutely sensational. He's, he's one of the best, if not the best, inside centre in the world. You certainly bracket him up there with Gail Fiku and, you know, you, you, let's see how the New Zealanders go uh, on Saturday against the Wallabies. But, you know, he's, he's whoever's the best, he's equal. He's been great. And they're playing in the 13. They're playing in the 13 because they didn't select a genuine outside centre in their original squad. How Gary Ringrose didn't make this squad is is still mind-boggling. And here we are, one of the best inside centres in the world has to be put at outside centre because they've got no-one else. Now, I'm delighted for Bundiaki. He played really well. And to me, on the squad that was selected, that I felt was wrong, that's the best centre combination. But we're only getting in the third test. Now, that, that tells you, how do you get around New Zealand, uh, South Africa? You've got to have someone who knows the ropes at 13. You've got to have someone who's experienced and you've got to have someone with great skills. And they simply didn't select a squad to play that sort of game. And again, it's, it's saying what Rory said. It's not fit for purpose what, what they've done. Now, is it too late to change? Well, in the Lions squad, they've proven over the years it's not. But we've got no evidence that they can change. And I actually think they're in a, a bit of trouble. They're, they're in a, a fair bit of trouble for, for Saturday because even though the box have, have lost... Two key players in the toy um, is, is just a wonderful back row. I've watched him go through over the year, last few years, and he's fantastic. And obviously, Fat the Clerk is right up there with the best in the world as well. But they're, the way they're going to play, Reinhardt's a great box kicker. You're not going to lose too much about him. He's a very big physical man. They're probably gaining a little bit of physicality with him. He's a bigger guy than, than Faf. And if you look at that, that back five of the spring box with Esther Begdiega, Mozart, Colossi and, and, and Wuis there, like that's that's a powerful back five. And their front row have proved they dominated over the other front row and they've got another game under their belt. So where do the Lions go? And that's that's an answer that no one sort of can give me on and I can't come up with you on that selection and say, well this is where I think the Lions could get a real advantage over, over uh, South Africa. There's just not a lot of room there. Yeah, that is uh, Matt Williams speaking on last night's Wednesday Night Rugby. Our Lions coverage is brought to you in association with Vodafone, lead partner of the British and Irish Lions. Brian O'Driscoll is with us. Where's the X factor in that Lions backline, Brian? 
I, I do take um, Matt's point. I think that they did get the selection wrong at, at 13. Um, if I was, you can put your Irish hat on and say, you know, Gary Ringrose would be an obvious choice. But if I was Henry Slade, um, I would be absolutely sick watching this tour. It is made for someone like him. Big physical player with great skills, with a great left foot. Um, everything that you would have imagined that Warren Gatland was looking for in um, in, a, in a 13, you know, quicker than you think he is, uh, creative, um, but, you know, and very solid in defence. I, 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 I think that's, um, you know, re- looking back retrospectively, I think that's a mind-boggling omission. Well, I think you said it um, at the time, actually, because I remember you being on the night of the squad announcement and with the exception of Robbie Henshaw, were quite confused about the centre selections that almost the three favourites to be selected weren't there and three guys who were on the fringes end up being selected. I, I presume most people assumed it was because he had a definite game plan in mind for the type of players that he wanted. It, it seems from listening to a lot of the analysis that there's a bit of square pegs, round holes, that he has players with certain talents, but he's trying to get them to play a, a system that doesn't suit it. But I do think that Henry Slade is someone that can play lots of different styles. That's that's you know the quality of operator that he is. Um, I, you know, I'm, I've been a huge Gary Ringrose fan for a long time. He's maybe blown a little bit hot and cold recently. Um, his, his, you know, the timing of his his injury in the in the missing out in the English game, I think, really cost him a spot and, and gave Bundy the opportunity to to show the best of his game. Um, but listen, these are always going to be marginal calls, but and we can only look at them. Um, you know, retrospectively as to what has worked and what hasn't because of the performances or lack of performances from those that have been selected. Um, but it's, you know, if we are looking, if the Lions were looking to play any sort of, you know, expansive game plan or a game plan to connect, you know, the inside backs with, you know, a pretty exciting back three on paper, well, it does feel as though we haven't had the connector to do that and I think you know Henry Slade or Gary Ringrose would have fit that role but I do feel particularly that Henry Slade could have played any other role that that Warren Gatland wanted as well and you know go go back to that left foot again a lot lot, so much was said about Elliot Daly's left foot in the first test Um, and it is very important to have a left footer in your in your ranks in your back line I don't know if there's many other better left foots than Henry Slade's too not just with his wiper kicks but also those little grubbers in behind so it just feels as though not much has been said about his omission since the initial squad was selected Um, and you know I would love I would love to have seen a combination of him and and Robbie Henshaw playing at 12 but I do feel sorry in the same breath I do feel that Bundy Aki is absolutely warranted an opportunity to play in this test match. Um, he, for me, you know, I was asked on the call a while ago, uh, both test match bolters. I thought he might have been one in the first test before the tour started because right attitude, you know, player that Gats would like, aggressive, very good defender, um, and you know, a popular guy within the squad. All those things are actually important when it comes to the selection of a of a guy and how well he's how well he's touring. So. Um, I, I'm, I'm not shocked to see Bundy in there this week because the squad needs an, needed an energy and an enthusiasm that he's clearly brought the whole tour. But obviously there's extra pep in his step because he's picked in the 12 jersey to start in the third test. 
a bit of a fall from grace for Owen Farrell not to even make the 23. What, what do you make of his non-inclusion and also the fact that Finn Russell is there? Is that very much with a, this is probably going to be tight once again and with 10 minutes to go, we may need that bit of unpredictability, that bit of magic that maybe Finn Russell can provide at the right time? Well, you never know with your bench what you need them for. You know, you um, you don't know whether you want them to close out a game for you or whether you want them to go and try and pull a rabbit out of a hat for you. And obviously, Finn Russell is that second guy more so than the first guy. He's developed into a player that's capable of, you know, doing it all. But he still has um, he still has a bit of lunatic in him, and I think that's why we all are excited watching him, and that's why Scottish fans, w- you know, watch through their their hand through their fingers when he is playing because he he's capable of magical moments, but he's he's capable of brain farts as well, and um, and and so with 15 minutes to go, if the Lions need a score, Finn Russell's your guy to bring on. If you know there are three points up and ten minutes to go, is Finn Russell the guy to come on and close it out and and you know shut it down? Probably not. But then Connor Murray might be seen to be that guy, so you might see a halfback pairing change. So it, you know you you pick your bench on the basis of who's going to do something impactful for you, irrespective of your circumstances in the last fifteen or twenty minutes. And they just feel as though it hasn't worked with Owen Farrell thus far. His two Ventures off the bench, you know, have not really um, delivered from his perspective on on the basis of his form this last year. Is Owen Farrell in anywhere near the form of his career? He's not, and he'll be the first to admit it. But it's a big call, um, you know, leaving a Test match animal like him out of a, a, a clinching Test match, um, where you know you know he's delivered in the past. You know he'll step up and kick the goals when needed um so yeah i can't have been um i can't i know only too well what he feels like when he was given that news that he's not going to be involved in the 23 well it's never worked out for warren gatlin before has it brian (laughs) are we are we laughing about that yet i'm not sure are we (laughs) um well you know the um you know it's the the it's written in the stars then for for bundiaki to come in and score a what you know match winning um try or um, but it does feel as though, you know, whatever happened in 2013 with with the platform that those backs were given, it feels as though it's going to be harder earned platform um, this time round um, because of what happened in the scrum in the second half, because of the impact that their so-called bomb squads um, produced um, and, and then their driving line out as well and the damage that that did. So it feels as though... You know, if you, if you get anywhere near parity, um, then the Lions have a chance. If you don't, it's going to be a very, very tough battle. Mm. Uh, looking at it with green tinted glasses, there was a real feeling after the second test that, you know, Ty Byrne would be right in contention to come into the starting 15. As it's worked out, he hasn't even made the bench for this. Warren Gatlin saying maybe Adam Beard, the impact he can make in the final 10 minutes uh, with the rolling mall and how strong he can be defensively like Ty Byrne can look back on his season with a lot of pride but I'm sure really bittersweet not to be a part of this at all yeah as he had you know as he had 10 minutes in the two test mm. matches or you know there or thereabouts um, you know it's, it, it's hard to it was hard for him to have had any major impact obviously he came on very late in the first test and just trying to see that out and then in the uh, second test you know they're chasing the game Um 
I, I just always wonder, you know, Gats is a guy that likes big, physically, you know, imposing guys, and that's not really Ty Burns' game. You know, he's a clever player. He reads the game well. He runs clever lines. You know, he's obviously very good over the ball. But I think did Gats always have a little bit of a hang-up around his physicality, and particularly against this opposition. I just, I, I think that might have been the case in that is the the reason that um that the tiger has been left out even though he's done nothing wrong there's plenty of other guys you know the the you know the eight non-used um players in the squad particularly the likes of Ian Henderson who you know when Alan Wynn Jones got injured and dislocated his shoulder in the Japanese game would have probably been earmarked as a test starter for him to get no test minutes again must be pretty sickening because Again, he didn't do a whole lot wrong any time he put the jersey on on this tour. Um, but, yeah, sometimes, you, you know, a coach just has an eye for you and likes what you do. And obviously, he's watching an awful lot more at training as well as just in games. But, it, you know, it, it does feel as though Ian Henderson just doesn't seem to be Gats player. And similarly, Ty Burney just feels as though the bench, you know, Sam Simmons can offer something that they haven't seen already. And it's hard to argue with that as well. Mm. Uh, this would also be an enormous achievement for South Africa if they can win this series considering how little game time they've had since winning the World Cup and we Bobby Skinstead on OTB AM yesterday and you know, he was talking about Razzy Erasmus and you know, maybe if Razzy Erasmus made 28 points in the video 27 of them were right that's certainly the feeling in South Africa that they've been disrespected for many years even this World Cup winning side haven't got the credit that they deserve when you look at the performance last Saturday and, and what they could go and do this Saturday, should we be talking more about this team as one of the great international sides? I think that's difficult to do because of the brand that they play to the, um, you know, to the rugby purists. Yeah, maybe they'll be seen as one of the great sides, but I, it's, I would find it very difficult to go and wax lyrically about this South African team. What I would say is they're an incredibly effective team in the way they play. Um, their defense is phenomenal. Um, their appetite for work is is very impressive, particularly in the centers. I think that, you know there's there's a few players that have gone up in my estimation. Am um, um, in particular, Dialande, you know, definitely went up over the course of the season with Munster. But watching the two of them over the last couple of weeks, I've been incredibly impressed with how much more they offer than what maybe you, they showed in the World Cup in their success. Um, it does feel as though um, you, know, you look at other World Cup winning teams, they were easier to enjoy and watch because of the brand and style they played. But yet, the game is about being effective and it's a, res a results business. But um, I don't know if I, could, if I could agree with the statement that we, we need to give them you know, more credit as one of the great teams. I, 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 can't, I can't pay tribute to that. I do feel as though Rossi has... There's a... I think is it is it a semi cult going on with um, what with what you know what he's said in South Africa and how they have one hundred percent weighed in behind um, you know every one of his words and I suppose that's um, that's sometimes what your team needs the they siege need mentality the support works, of the, yeah they need the support of their nation and whether you think it's right or wrong but he's managed to convince. Whatever it was, there was a poll taken where it was high 80% is Rossi right in what he did in, in South African news um, last week. 
yeah, when when you're talking those numbers, saying he's one hundred percent, oh, he's absolutely right in in everything that he said. Well, you know, that's that's a galvanizing effect for a team that are in a bubble, that are reading social media, that um, are are questioning whether they, you know, are getting a bit of a hard time from rugby referee rugby decisions or from world rugby and they don't have the respect they deserve sometimes teams need to play with a chip on their shoulder and they've created that siege mentality and it's been effective for them in the second game can they do it again in the third game we'll have to wait and see uh, i am loving razzy as the water boy though and his interactions with the players and look rugby has been coached a certain way for so long and we're so used to seeing them suited up uh, in the booth got all the technology passing on information it's not Pep Guardiola on the edge of his technical area and all his players almost looking over to him for approval before they do anything do you think if you were a player and you had a coach coming on constantly at every break and play having a word is it something that you feel could be beneficial or actually do you just want to be left to your own devices once the game starts um, or can he make an impact at all in that, that little space of time that he has yeah, I think there's a calming influence, there's a calming effect that um, that a coach being there would, would bring. Um, so I can see the benefits of it, absolutely. It depends on the individual. Some players just want to be left alone. They want very small, concise messaging. Some want very little messaging at all because they know the role themselves and know when they've done well or what, what or, you know, um, or what they need to improve in their own performance and they don't need it being reinforced by their by their director of rugby. But... Obviously, you know, anytime you see the interaction, it seems to be have a positive impact. So, you know, the fact that they've managed to, to you know, ma- manipulate the rules, good luck to them. That's what the game is about as well. It's about trying to squeeze the, the, the letter of the law to, the, to, to you know, its final extent. And they've managed to do that, you know, with him not technically being a coach. But clearly, the messaging that he's brought on and the calming influence that he has as a water boy has been beneficial to them. And I don't anticipate we'll see him up in the stand this weekend either. No. Call it. I, I, I do feel as though it's going to be tight again. And um, I, I think South Africa will get it done by five or six. But I do feel as though it'll be... It'll be much closer this time round. Um, I thought they'd win, not by the margin they won last week. I thought they might win kind of six to eight, and they they ran away with it a bit, and that kind of really put a dent in in my positivity. But I, I just sense that there's something about this Lions team that they're not going to they're not going to capitulate. They're not going to pack it in, and um, and I do think that they'll be right in the battle with ten minutes to to go. But I just fancy that. Um, that South Africa might have enough just to push through. All right, Brian, great stuff as always. Thanks for that. Cheers, Nathan. Talk to you. A reminder again that Saturday, 5 o'clock, the British and Irish Lions against South Africa. Full live commentary here on Off the Ball on News Talk post-match that evening as well on all our social channels. And we'll be on from 4 o'clock looking ahead to the game as well. The 2021 British and Irish Lions Tour on Off The Ball with Vodafone, lead partner of the British and Irish Lions.